Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Doing great, Eric. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's been a little while since you and I have spoken, and I'm excited to get back on the podcast with you. What are we talking about today? Uh, well, today we're going to talk about some of the uh, the biggest risk I think that people don't understand when it comes to uh, stock market volatility and uh, returns and uh, things like that. So I'm excited about this podcast today. You know, <laughs> I, as you're saying that, I'm like, you're excited about the podcast. That's great. But I don't think anybody is excited about volatility <laughs> in the market. Right. And uh, it's it's such a broad topic. I'm, I'm interested to see what your yep. points are because you said – you know, there, there's uh-huh. a lot of things that people don't think about, about the volatility of it. And, and as a layman, yeah. I guess, is what I would categorize myself. When I just think of volatility, I just think that something's going wrong. And so it's right. diving, right? And right. then something happens and somebody gets some good news. And then all of a sudden it goes up a little bit and then it goes down again. And right. it, it is that roller coaster that nobody likes to ride. Uh, but, exactly. Yeah. So what are we missing? Yeah, it's like uh, you, we like the roller coaster when it's when it's on its way up, right? The little oh, yeah. slow click, 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 click. You know what I mean? That part's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but then when you get to the top and it's coming down and it's winding around, that's the part that, you know, people get sick on. It gets uneasy. And uh, But you're right. I think, you know, most people equate volatility with uh, negativity. And, they, you know, they assume that volatility means the market's going down. But uh, like you just said a second ago, that means the market goes up and down. And certainly it, it does seem like, you know, certainly since even uh, early 2000 and with the internet and online trades and uh, 24-7 access, uh, certainly I, I'm sure people back in the in the 50s and 60s thought the stock market was volatile, but uh, it, mm-hmm. it definitely is now yeah. uh, with the amount of trades and the easy access and that kind of stuff. So little things on a daily basis can, you know, really make a big difference. Yeah. And that really impacted <laughs> Yeah, when you talk about the roller coaster, uh, just a quick personal story. My dad's 80 yeah. years old, and he he will still tell this story to this day. I was probably mm-hmm. eight years old or nine years old at the time we were at our state fair in Washington State. There's a big wooden roller coaster, and it was my first time riding it. And on the way up, you know, he's like, are you excited? Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Are you, how you doing? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And, man, right when yes. we crested that top hill oh, yeah. and started looking at the downhill, I yelled, and he just he makes fun of me all the time. I yelled, oh, yeah. I want to get off the entire rest of the ride, like screaming, I want to get off! I want to get off! <laughs> so, right. uh, and you yes. know, he, he doesn't let me live it down. And, and then at the end of right. the ride, of course, he's like, so how was it? Oh, it was okay. <laughs> but right. I was screaming exactly. the entire time. And I think that that's where a lot of people are right now. They're like, I want to get off. Uh, just get me off this thing. No doubt about it. That sounds like a lot of investors sometimes. It's like the easy you know, reaction. Hey, how long... What's your time frame for this investment? Oh, I don't need this money for five years or 10 years. And then, you know, all of a sudden the market's going down and it's spinning around. It's like, I want to get off. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, really, is your time frame really five years or 10 years? Because volatility is ultimately what's going to give you a positive return long term. Mm, 
Mm-hmm. But it's in the short term that it, uh, it it can definitely make you sick. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And I think a lot of people can equate, you know, with that story, you know, for sure. So, you know, when it comes to volatility, I, I you know, I want to go back to something that you and I have talked about before. And I think it's important for investors, firstly, to understand, uh, you know, the three phases of investing. And when it comes to volatility, it matters depending on which phase you're in. And you're going to respond differently depending on which phase you're in. So there's an accumulation phase of investing, which we look at mm-hmm. as 10 years or farther out from retirement. If you've got more than 10 years before you retire, you're going to react differently to volatility. If someone's mm-hmm. within 10 years of retirement, we call that the preservation phase. That's a phase where people need to really fine tune how much income they're going to need in retirement and then how much of their current assets would it take to generate that income and make sure that portion of your investments or your portfolio or your assets is protected against volatility so that you can retire when you want to retire. And then mm-hmm. there is the distribution phase. Distribution phase is when you're in retirement drawing income from your investments and you're you know living strictly on your investments, you're no longer getting a paycheck. So there's an accumulation phase, a preservation phase, and a distribution phase. So I want to say that first because when we're talking about volatility, in the stock market, you know, going up and down in value or what you should do. It really, it's not just across the board. Everyone should react a certain way. If you're in a certain phase, you should react a certain way. So I'm going to come back to these phases, you know, as we talk about these things. Another thing I want to remind everybody is really there's two rules as far as I'm concerned for successful stock market investing. And and some people may be surprised to hear what these are. You know what I mean? What are the two things you have to do to be successful with the stock market. And that is time. You need time and you need discipline. To me, those are the two keys. And so if you Mm -hmm. have time and to me, time means, you know, we're always looking at an investment as a long-term investment. To me, that means five years or longer. If you have more than five years, then you can handle volatility even in the most aggressive portfolios, we have positive returns five years or longer. So uh, you want to look at time as being one of the key things. Another one is discipline, being able to maintain your allocation, being able to maintain your, your investment uh, mix or your portfolio that you believe you should have been in for the long term, regardless of the storm that's going on in between. And so, okay, but that's the, yeah. Stephen, but that's the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, because out of those two things, time is concrete, right? Yep. Or, or I guess I would I would call it concrete. Time is time. There's no fudging those numbers. Yep. Either you have time or you don't. Right. The problem is the discipline part, right? Because right. I, I know that I am not very yep. disciplined in a lot of areas of my life, and I I, I want to say I yeah. wish I would be more disciplined, but I, I probably could just actually work toward it, right? right. <laughs> Practice being disciplined. Yeah. But that's where I think a lot of us struggle. Oh, yeah. It's hard to, like you said, maintain discipline. And that's where the three phases come in. If someone's in an accumulation phase, they're more than 10 years out before they retire. Really, you should never react to short-term market conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be diversified. You have time on your side. You should stay disciplined. You should not make any you know, moves. Everybody, you know, when the market is in turmoil or when the market goes down for, you know, maybe two weeks straight every day, it just seems like a negative. Human nature, like you're saying, is don't just sit there, you know, do something. You know what I mean? And a lot mm-hmm. of times with investing, the best thing you can do is do nothing, especially if you chose your investments, chose your portfolio mix, you know, when you were thinking straight, 
<laughs> when you were looking at a long-term plan, when you when you knew the investment mix was what you needed for you know mm-hmm. the time period that you needed, don't let anything in the meantime derail that. And that's something that I know we're going to talk about even in, in a future pro- podcast. What happens to the average investor when they don't stay disciplined, and the results are not near as good as the people that do stay disciplined. So. And you can do that when you've got a plan. So the accumulation phase, definitely you have time on your side and you've got to remain disciplined. The real difficult part comes in is when someone's in the preservation phase, they're within 10 years of retirement or Mm -hmm. they're already retired and they're living on this income stream. Now, all of a sudden, discipline becomes harder and time becomes harder because now we don't have time to recover. If you have a massive drop in the stock market three years before you retire, some people may not be able to retire on time. If some if the stock mm-hmm. market drops 20% the first year someone's living on their income stream, they may not be able to stay retired. And so that's why it is so important to make sure you've got a plan, you change your allocations, you change your investment mix, you change your investment products, even when you're in the preservation phase and the distribution phase. So that way you can stay discipline with your, your long-term investments. And something that I've looked at before is, you know, the impact of losses. A lot of people don't realize that if, if there's a 20% loss in the market, there's a couple ways to look at this. If the market goes down by 20%, which happens unfortunately fairly mm-hmm. regularly these days, it seems like. In fact, since the year 2000, the stock market has dropped more than 20% three times. Wow. Yeah. So think about that. We've only been in, you know, it's been 20 years. So in a 20 year period of time, three times the market has dropped greater than 20%. Obviously 2008, you know, 2007, 2008 was massive. Mm-hmm. 40 to 50% depending on which, you know, index you were in. So I'm using 20% as the, the gauge. But so just think about someone going into retirement. If that were to happen one time in the, you know, five years before you retire, that could have a massive impact. If it happens in the first five years that you're drawing income from your investments, that could have a major impact. So we have to look at this and people have to go into retirement and planning for retirement, knowing that this is an actual possibility. And what would you do? It's not a matter of, hey, this is never going to happen. The market goes up. It always goes up, you know, over long periods of times it does. Uh, But your personal experience might be a a greater than 20% loss in one of these timeframes that you got to watch out for. So, Stephen, I'm going to go back to the roller coaster analogy. Yeah. When when we're sitting in a roller coaster, we've got our seatbelt on, we've got the bar across our lap, we've got the safety gear, right? The, the things mm-hmm. that are making us safe, but that doesn't necessarily stop the fear, right? The fear is still there. We're strapped in, <laughs> right. we're, we're there for the ride, but right. the fear is still there. And the difference, I think, between the roller coaster and actually living the market piece of it mm-hmm. is that if as my nine-year-old self, if I could have jumped out of that roller coaster, I might have, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like just bailed, you know? right? Get me out yes. of here. But that held me in place. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's part of the problem is that people aren't held in place. They don't have the discipline to, to, to sit there on their own and say, okay, mm-hmm. I know that this is scary looking. This is this, I have this fear, but I'm going to stay with this because yes. the, the problem with jumping out is that again, mm-hmm. if I had jumped out, I probably would have jumped out when it was at the lowest right. point. <laughs> Because that's the safest tuck right, and roll exactly. movement, right? Uh, but then I miss that upswing. Yes. So, how do you how do you help people? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can eliminate fear. Can you eliminate fear, or is it something where we just try to quell the fear a bit yeah. so that they 
keep their eyes on the goals that they have. And, and then, of course, I think an anchor in this situation is working with a professional. Absolutely. Right? They can, they can walk beside you. I think you. that's the key right there. You had your dad sitting next to you. You know, he was laughing at you for saying, do you want to get off the, the roller coaster? <laughs> the yes, reality <laughs> is somebody was sitting right next to you who has been there before, who has done this ride, yeah. who tells you it's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. You've got the mm-hmm. harness. It's going to just enjoy it. Keep looking, you know, it's going to end one of these days. So I think that was extremely valuable to you uh, sitting on the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You know, people need, you know, professional advice. There are sometimes people think that, you know what, I, I can do investing on my own. I can save the 1%, let's say management fee, and I, I can earn that money just by doing this on my own and, and earn that 1%. But the reality is people who do yeah. it on their own tend to be more emotional. People who do it on their own tend to trade a lot more often. They tend to get in and out of the market. Mm-hmm. And so... It's worth more to them to have a professional advisor who can say, no, look, you've got to stay disciplined. It's going to, everything's going to come out fine. This money that you have invested like this is long-term and all those kinds of things are extremely valuable, I think. So having a coach, having a guide, you mentioned a minute ago, fear. Um, And I I don't think you can eliminate fear. You know, I'm a financial planner. Sometimes I get afraid, you know what I mean? But but what do you do Mm -hmm. when you're afraid? And that is you go back to the principles, you go back to the plan, you say, what is this money for? When do I need it? All those kinds of things. And then uh, then hopefully the money you have invested in the stock market, you should be able to ride out depending again, which phase you're in, depending on if you've done planning the way you and I have talked about in several podcasts so far, making sure you have uh, you know, money separated you know, for your income stream, other money that you need for liquid assets and emergencies that are not, have mm-hmm. nothing to do with the stock mm-hmm. market. Our philosophy here is you protect the income and grow the rest. Only take a risk with money that you don't need for income or that you don't need for short-term expenses or emergency funds. And the reason that yeah. is, is because I'm going to go back to this 20% loss thing. If someone has a 20% loss, a lot of people don't realize it takes a 25% positive return to break even. So if someone has $1,000 and the stock market loses 20%, you have 800 mm-hmm. For 800 to go back to 1,000, it has to have a 25% return. Mm, yeah. So anytime there's a loss in the market, it, it has a dramatic impact. It always takes more return to get there. And another way to look at it is if someone loses 20% in the market and they average a 6% return, if they earn 6% after that 20% loss, it's going to take 3.8 years to break even. Oof, that. Yeah. Yeah. At a 6% return. If you're at an 8% return, it still takes 2.9 years Mm -hmm. to recover. So this is why the impact of losses is a big deal. This is why you have to decide, especially in the preservation phase, we don't have time to recover from a 20% or greater decline. A lot of times Mm -hmm. when we're in the distribution phase, we don't have time to recover. So that's where, when you're in those two phases, you really have to start looking at, you know, alternative investments, investments that can protect your assets from a 20% or greater decline, because we might not have time to get the return that we need to break even again. And so it's important, again, to identify the phase. If you're in the preservation or distribution, uh, you do need to take risk off the table. Uh, because like you said, you know, we can't, no one can predict volatility. You know, the stock market is going to be volatile. It, it, it tends to work itself out over time, five years or longer. It may be a roller coaster, but it ends up being higher. Mm-hmm. But in the short term, when you need it most, preservation and distribution, you cannot handle that risk. You take that risk off the table. I think that's important to do. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing, there's other two other 
stock market volatility returns types of risks that I, that I think people don't understand. I think it's extremely important everybody understands these two concepts. One of them is the average versus the real rate of return. The average the versus average, the real rate of return. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, you know, we tend to always talk about average annual rates of return. Hey, this portfolio right here, This as long as you average 6% per year and you withdraw 5% a year, you should not run out of money in retirement. Mm-hmm. If I sat, you know, I'm, a, I'm a certified financial planner. If I sat across the table from someone and I said, look, this portfolio has been around for 40 years or this mutual fund has been around for 40 years. How long are you going to be in retirement? 40 years? Probably not. This fund or this portfolio has been around for 40 years. It's averaged 6% per year. You only need 5% withdrawals. You should not run out of money in retirement. I could say that everyone would shake their head because it makes logical sense. But the reality is the average rate of return is never the same thing as the real rate of return if there's ever a negative return mixed into it. Mm -hmm. And and the difficult part about this is that, you know, every mutual fund company, every portfolio is only going to advertise, if you will, or list the average annual rate of return. That's all they can do. It's not a lie. It is in reality the average. Yeah, it's a fact, but right? I mean, it's it's a fact. It is That's a fact. What the average is, however, like yep. you're saying, there's so many things that affect what exactly. your time frame is. Instead of well, that 40 years yep. of the average is great, but yep. that doesn't mean it's going to work for me over the next five years or ten years. That's exactly right. All right. So, for example, you know what I mean? I'm gonna, I'll try to do this, you know, over the airwaves. <laughs> you know, a little math problem. Mm-hmm. Someone had, if we had a, a hypothetical portfolio where someone earned 10% one year, and then it went down 10% the next, it went up 10% the year after, down 10% the next, and you did that every other year for 10 years, plus 10, minus 10, plus 10, minus 10. At the end of that 10 years, the average annual rate of return would be 0%. percent hmm I had five plus tens, five minus ten, zero. But you know what the real rate of return is? The real rate of return after those 10 years is minus 4.9%. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's because if you if I have $1,000 and it earns 10%, I have $1,100. Mm-hmm. If $1,100 loses 10%, I have 990 Exactly. Yep. 990 earns 10%. You have 10, and you keep doing this every year for you know 10 years, you end up with $951. But the, the mutual fund or the portfolio is going to say the average was zero. And you might say, well, how can the average be zero when I'm down you know 5% here? Mm-hmm. And my point is, everybody, if you had a fixed rate investment where it was all positive returns, the average in the real will be the same. But if you're invested in the stock market, there's always negatives in there. And so even though they talk about averages and everyone, like you said, and I said, you know what I mean? These are facts. They are truly the averages, but they are not in reality what you have earned in that portfolio if you were in it. And the important point, the reason why I even bring this up at all is because then you cannot make your investment decisions based on an average annual rate of return. When I teach my classes, I always tell everybody, the next time you hear average annual rate of return, a light bulb needs to go off in your mind and you need to start thinking about the fact that yes, that is the average, but you can't just make your decision on that. And really where I see this come into play is when somebody has, like I just mentioned, hey, here's an average 6%, you need to pull out 5%, you should not run out of money in retirement. Well, the reality is it's very possible to average six, withdraw five and run out of money. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Just look at the example I just gave you. There was plus tens and minus tens all that time. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it is possible depending on the order return. So you just have to be careful with making investment decisions, especially when you're in the preservation phase and the distribution phase, strictly on the average annual rate of return over a long period of time, because it's not the same as the real. Yeah. That's one concept that I think a lot of people, I, I know it. I, I know a lot of people just don't quite get that or you know, understand that concept or why that's important. And it's not necessarily as important during the accumulation phase, but it, it does matter, especially in the distribution phase when someone's looking to what percentage of my investments can I draw out safely? What portfolio do I need? What's the average rate of return need to be to keep this portfolio from running out of money? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where you can't just base on an average. And then the other one really is what I call the sequence of returns risk. And the sequence of returns risk just means the order that the returns come in. And as you know, Eric, most people spend most of their investment life and career in this accumulation phase. Mm-hmm. We're saving for retirement. You know, even if you started early, you're going to save, you know, starting at age 30, maybe, and you're going to save all the way to age 65. So for 35 years, you've just saved and invested. And it really didn't matter the order that the returns came in. If I took a 30 year, 30 years of the S&P 500 and mixed up the order of 35 different ways, at the end of the day, you would end up at the same exact balance. So it does not matter the order that the returns comes in when you're in the accumulation phase. In other words, when you're not taking any withdrawals, you're not taking any money out of the portfolio, it doesn't matter what the order of the stock market returns come in. Yeah. Okay. So where the sequence of returns risk really matters is during the distribution phase. Yeah. So when someone's taking money out of their portfolio, all of a sudden something matters that has never mattered before. Mm-hmm. And that is the order that the returns comes in. So if someone averaged a, you know, 7% you know, rate of return their whole life through their accumulation phase and all the way through their investing history, it wouldn't have mattered if they had a minus 20% one year or plus 35. It doesn't matter, you know, the order they came in, they would have been in great position at the end. But if you're in the distribution phase, and so let's just say in year number one, you're taking out a four or five percent withdrawal from your investment portfolio, and the market goes down 20%. I'll just use an example of five hundred thousand dollars. If someone has five hundred thousand dollars and they're gonna take out twenty-five thousand dollars a year, five percent withdrawal rate and they're in this portfolio that is averages 6% per year, and they're only pulling out five. Most people need to realize that in order to have a portfolio mix that averages 6% a year, there is a possibility with that investment mix, you're gonna be down 20% at some point in time. Mm-hmm. It, you know, If it happens later in your life, it maybe doesn't make as big of a deal, but if I retire this year and I'm taking out 5%, so I take out 5%, that's $25,000, but on the same year, the market goes down 20%. So now my 500 is now worth 400, but I've also taken out 25,000. So it's now down to 375,000 and yeah. I'm in year one of retirement. Think yeah. about that. And then next year, guess what? I still need $25,000. So now all of a sudden my 5% withdrawal rate went to an 8% withdrawal rate. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes unsustainable. And my point of saying this is, that's a possibility. It's also a possibility that the first year you retire, it goes up 20%. And so you're in better shape. So when, I, when I've looked at historically the sequence of returns, if you look at someone who has a $500,000 portfolio 
and they, they're in a portfolio that averages 6% a year, and they would draw 5% a year. If you run that scenario, you, you know, run the numbers, there are some people that can retire, leave it in that portfolio, and not only will they not run out of money in retirement, but their portfolio balance will continue to grow. But there are some people who will run out of money within 13 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how is this possible? The, the, the reason, the difference is the order that the returns comes in. Yeah. And this is why also it's so important. I, you know, I always tell everybody, you have to look at the sequence of returns as a real risk. And I can tell you right now, I mean, this is a risk that most people never think about. You know, I talk to people getting ready to retire every day. You know, they're just not in their mindset. You have to worry about how the returns comes in. But everybody going into retirement has to look at this risk and decide how they're going to deal with it. We can't say it's not going to happen. Uh, you can't say, well, when I retire, the first three years are going to be positive in the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> well, nobody knows that. When I retire, you know, what happens if it's negative? So we don't know what's going to happen. So the point is to say, what should we do about the potential for the sequence of return? That The fact that you're negative early on. Because if it is, we talked about this earlier in this podcast, and that is we don't have time Mm-hmm. to recover it has to come back a lot just to break even and all those kinds of things so if you want to have a peaceful enjoyable retirement you have to eliminate the sequence of returns risk which is the risk that the market's going to be negative the first few years that you retire another thing is this you know some people go into retirement and they may meet they might meet a couple you know bill and uh, gail mm-hmm. and uh, bill and gail are doing great you know they they left all their money in the stock market and the market's been positive the first few years of the retirement they may talk to someone and say you know what no matter what you do, leave all your money in the stock market because the stock market always goes up. You're never going to run out of money and your portfolio is going to grow. But then you could run into Bill and Jane and Bill and Jane had the exact opposite experience. If you talk to them, they're going to say, well, no, don't ever leave your money in the stock market because if you do, you're going to run out of money in retirement. The stock market's you know too volatile. And both of them may be sharing with you their actual real experience. And they both may be telling you the truth, but the reality is every single person going to retirement, you can't base your decisions based on what Bill and Gail did mm-hmm. or what uh, Jerry and Jane or whatever they, you know, what they did. You have to base your decisions based on what's going on in the market when you retire. Yeah. I, I mean, think about somebody who retired in January of 2017, right? Right. Their first year, three years of retirement. Smooth sailing, baby. Golden. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> now somebody retires yeah. January of 2020. Yes. What yep. the heck, right? Right, total different experience. <laughs> oh, a nightmare. Exactly. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, total yeah. nightmare. That's a good point. And that's why it's so important. And it doesn't matter when you're in the accumulation phase. It does matter. So this whole idea of average versus real matters, you know, pretty much mm-hmm. when you get to the uh, preservation phase. The sequence of returns really matters when you get to the distribution phase. So you really got to pay attention to these things as you get closer to retirement. Yeah. and determine how you're going to handle these things. And thankfully, there are ways to do that. There's investments that you can use, products that you can use to eliminate this whole idea of sequence of returns risk. There's products you can use to eliminate uh, worrying about average versus real so you don't have negative returns mm-hmm. You know, with certain of your assets. And that's why planning, obviously, is so important, which is what really pretty much every one of these podcasts comes down to. Yeah, uh, you really need to have a plan that addresses these things. The biggest, the biggest mistake I think people make is they have a certain investment history in their whole life. They've had, you know, asset allocation, stock market investing, and it's got them to where they are now to be able to retire. And then all of a sudden someone like me comes along and says, well, yep, that's great. But 
now something's going to be different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, you can't handle a stock market decline. We don't have time. All of a sudden, you can't handle negative returns early while you're taking withdrawals. Yeah. And so you do have to do something different. And that's hard for people after they've done it one way for 30 to 35 years. But it's extremely important to face these risks we're on. Like we talked about before, long-term care. You have to do something about it. You have to do something about the average is not the same as the real. And you have to do something about the order the returns comes in. Yeah. Stephen, as, as we wrap up this podcast, because we're running out of time, what are your closing thoughts for today? I would just say the main thing is to make sure, number one, you're aware of these risks, you're aware of what they are, number one. Number two, why they matter. Number three, when they matter, what phase of investing you're in. So if you're within 10 years of retirement or getting ready to start distribution, uh, you have to talk to you know a financial planner. You certainly can call yeah. us and our firm here. And we can help you with these risks, but you have to know what they are, when they matter, and then, you know, how to address these things so they don't destroy your you know, future or your peace of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Bottom line is that don't stick your head in the sand. Do something about it. Create a That's plan. Right. No matter what stage you're in, you know, talking to a professional is best. How do they reach your team? The best way to do that is to go to our website, which is www.wisewealth.com. That's wisewealth.com. And then uh, there's a contact us uh, section of our website. Someone can go there and reach out to us there. Or you can call us. Our phone number is 816-246-9473. That's 816-246-9473. Perfect. Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. Eric, absolutely. Great to talk to you. As always, always a pleasure talking to you. I learn things every time. The last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at WiseWealth, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WiseWealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.